Delaroys says Wisconsin is ready for a new generation of leadership. At 38 years old, she's the youngest candidate in the race, and she says she can speak to issues like student loan debt to millennials and Gen Xers in a way that the baby boomers in the race maybe just can't. I'm Jesse Opoyan, the Cap Times political reporter. Welcome to Wedge Issues, a podcast about the 2018 elections in Wisconsin. I sat down with Kelda recently, and we talked about her campaign, we talked about her first concert, we talked about her favorite beer, or lack thereof. And we started with a simple question about why she's running for governor. I'm running for governor because I want Wisconsin to be a place of opportunity and fairness again. I want our state to be the best place to raise a family and the best place to grow a business. Voters are tasked with a sort of a a challenge, um, Democratic primary voters at this point. How are they supposed to tell all of you apart and figure out (laughs) this is the candidate that I want to vote for? Well, uh, if they are interested in who has the cutest baby, I think the choice is clear. (laughs) It is me. (laughs) But, um, you know, what I hear as I travel around the state is people are ready for a new generation of leadership, right? We want we want someone who actually is going to address the economic concerns of the Generation X voters and millennial voters that don't show up to vote as often as the baby boomers do. And so that starts with things like a real plan for addressing student loan debt. We have a lot of areas of agreement on protecting our natural resources, um, other democratic values, but I'm the candidate that's talking about things like affordable child care and universal paid family leave and making these investments that um, my generation and our friends, the millennials, really need to happen for Wisconsin to be a place we can live. Now, Democrats win when my generation and your generation show up to the polls and uh, and when we run candidates that speak to our issues and excite those voters, we win. You're running against a lot of baby boomers. Um, does that does that help you out in this race? I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would definitely lose the contest for best mustache, but I think I can <laughs> win it for best economic agenda for voters under 50. <laughs> well, there's that. So your your first campaign video, it caught a lot of buzz. Um, you talked about your time in the legislature. You showed your family um, and you breastfed your baby. And that was the takeaway. <laughs> I, I'm sure you were not surprised that that was the thing that, that caught people's attention. Uh, why did you decide this is the right way to introduce myself to voters? Well, I I wanted to show them who I really am. And um, I think, you know, people in politics in Wisconsin know me as somebody who is a principled progressive, willing to stand up uh, and do the right thing even when it's hard, uh, a fighter for women. Uh, so when I was in the legislature, of course, I didn't have kids. Um, I got married during my second term. And so I had stepdaughters. But most people in Wisconsin don't actually know this sort of family part of me. We shot a lot of video footage that day. And there was no script. You know, it's just an interview where I started talking about my values, talking about things that I was proud of. One of the bills I was really proud of was this BPA Free Kids Act. So as I was talking about that, my daughter started fussing. And I figured, okay, well, we can just, you know, edit this part out or use the audio or something and show pictures or other footage. I just didn't really even think twice about it. And But when the video came back, you know, it seemed really natural and, and fine. And I am proud of being a mom. I think it's it's one of the things that shows people how invested I am in the future of the state. When I showed my mom the video that came back, she said, you know, this is you. It looks like you. It sounds like you. And, um, and I think this is what people are going to want to see. And 
Turned out she was right. So <laughs> she's the smartest political strategist I guess we have, <laughs> even though she's a social worker. Always listen to your mom, I think, is the takeaway. Yes. Yeah. I read a New York Times interview that you did where you mentioned that you are still getting asked who's going to take care of your kids if you win. Yes, I do still get that question. And it's like, you know, my husband and I have this covered. (laughs) (laughs) I run a business. I founded my business uh, when I was pregnant with my first daughter. And we're very lucky. We have access to not just uh, four grandparents who live in Wisconsin and (laughs) love to be with the baby and all the voters in Wisconsin who love to snuggle my baby, but um, a wonderful, high-quality child care. And one of the things that motivates me is thinking about all of the parents across the state who don't have access to that because of their income or their zip code. And we need to do so much more to give young children a good start in life and help parents with the high cost of child care. You, you do come from, I mean, politics, the, the tech industry, both sort of known for being boys clubs, and you would be the first uh, female governor if, if you do win. How has your experience in, in those sort of environments uh, shaped the way that you are running this race now and, and how you would govern? Well, I think, you know, what I have learned is that if you actually show up and do the work, That's kind of a rare commodity in (laughs) politics. You know, I I won my first race for assembly kind of against the odds because I was not the favorite candidate at all. But I knocked on 20,252 doors and I won that primary. And, you know, likewise, I started this race uh, a little bit later than some of the other candidates. But I've been really diligent. I've been driving all over the state. I've been working hard and raising money. And um, we're starting to see that really pay off in terms of the momentum. So, you know, I I really do think that uh, you can triumph in challenging circumstances just by showing up and doing the work and listening to people. And, and that's that's my approach to this campaign, whether I'm in Milwaukee or Racine or in, you know, rural parts of the state. People are used to politicians sort of talking at them and having somebody who actually listens and sits down and says, like, I really want to hear your ideas and then reflects that back in her policies is a nice change. It's who I am and I can't, you know, I can't pretend to be something else. So uh, I'm just going to I'm just going to go with it. And it's, you know, I've won and I've I've had failures, too. And and I've learned from from all of those experiences. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about. I mean, you you did run for Congress. That was a it was a tough primary, um, and a, another situation where you were probably the the underdog, and it, it didn't turn out successfully for you. But what did you take away from that? Well, we got a great congressman out of it, so I would say that's first <laughs> and foremost. Um, you know, when you when it's a primary and you're running against friends and and you know colleague, as Mark and I were, uh, that's always tough. It's always a challenge. But you know, one one thing I learned that's just like hard knuckle politics is. You know, I need to trust my instincts. And I think, you know, there are a lot of consultants who want to talk you into doing things to prove their own theories or uh, they have their own uh, agenda. And so, you know, you just have to really be true to yourself. And uh, and I, I'm not going to make the mistakes again that I that I made in that race by just sort of allowing my consultants to do something that I really didn't feel uh, represented me. Is there anything like specifically that you you did that you didn't want to do or? or... Well, I mean, I think, you know, just in, in general, like I'm a positive person. I'm an optimistic person. I'm hopeful. 
you know, and I, I think that uh, that's the side of myself that I want to show to voters. And, you know, so much of politics can just be uh, negative. And I think it's important to uh, for people to have hope because Democrats, we don't win based on fear and anger and division. We win on hope and optimism and looking towards the future. So you were born in Marshfield. Yes, I was. And you've lived in Madison for a long time. <laughs> yes, I have. Where in Wisconsin do you feel most at home? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, really all over. Anytime I just like enter the borders of the state, <laughs> I'm like, whew, I'm home. Um, and then immediately it's like, oh, potholes. <laughs> I am. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say like a couple places, obviously, you know, Madison where I live and just, you know. Anytime I'm out walking around with my family, I feel I feel at home. But uh, my my stepdad grew up in Portage, and so I've spent a lot of time in Columbia County, and I really love that area of the state. I um, when I started my tech company, I spent a lot of time in Milwaukee, and also when I was at NARAL, uh, I was there a lot. And then I would say the the other place that really speaks to me is um, the shores of Lake Superior. My family is so lucky that we. My whole extended family shares a cabin. And when I say cabin, I mean like no running water. Oh, man. <laughs> there's, a, there's an outhouse, and it's a really nice one. It's like a, you know. Uh, That's a very Wisconsin thing to it say. It is. It's a really nice outhouse. It is a really nice outhouse, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's it's a, just a great place to disconnect from the stress of everyday life and, you know, see this huge, the most amazing freshwater body in the world. And, uh that's what makes Wisconsin special. Give me, say, you're, you're elected governor. What are your top five Scott Walker policies that you would seek to undo? Well, first of all, the defunding of public education. We have got to restore Wisconsin as a place that has great public education. And that means K-12, but it also means reinvesting in higher ed uh, because more and more it's difficult for people to sustain themselves if they don't have some post-high school education. So making our two-year technical colleges free and uh, helping ensure that everyone can afford a four-year college and beyond if that's what they want to do, and reinvesting in early childhood education. Second, I think we have to address health care. It's holding our economy back, and I say that as a small business owner who knows how important it is to actually uh, provide your employees <laughs> with good health care. And, you know, there are a lot of people who can't retire because they're going to lose their health care or can't take the risk that I was able to do and start a business. So we need to guarantee health care coverage for all in this state. Third, I would say uh, we've got to do s- some <laughs> real work on our infrastructure. We have so much deferred maintenance on our roads. And, you know, as I travel around, I feel it on my car. But there's also the railways that have a lot of monetary needs for repairs and things and passenger and freight that should have been paid for by the federal government. And I certainly will aggressively go after money to try to get um, high-speed rail connectivity between Madison and Milwaukee and the Twin Cities and Chicago. But we also need to look at other types of infrastructure like broadband connectivity and wireless. Wisconsin has so much going for it. And we can be a leader. We can be a place where young families want to move, where educated people want to come to, not move out of. But we have got to fix the the infrastructure that makes that possible. Um, And that means obviously funding it and not just putting it on the credit card so that my kids can pay it off. 
The fourth thing I would say would be raising wages. The governor touts the low unemployment rate all the time. But, you know, that's number one. That's a real problem for employers and small businesses because we're trying to compete for workers. Um, but if people are working two, three, four jobs to make ends meet uh, because they're earning minimum wage, it's so far from a living wage. No matter where you are in this state, you know, you just you can't live on seven twenty-five an hour. It's crazy. And then the last thing I would say is our natural resources. You know, Wisconsin was a leader in natural resources. We had one of the premier agencies in the country, the DNR. No, you know, we are the name Wisconsin, the word Wisconsin literally means the place of gathering waters. And we're we're bordered all of our three best borders are water borders. <laughs> I won't talk about the flat one on, <laughs> on the bottom. Um, so but over the last eight years we've seen just tremendous environmental degradation. We've seen huge pollution of our uh, rivers and streams from industrial farming, um, letting polluters write their own permits, and um, and then groundwater pollution. You know, when you turn on the water anywhere in the state, you should be able to drink what comes out. And in too many places, you can't. Um, and, you know, I should say this also goes for lead pipes in Milwaukee and other places. That's part of our infrastructure that needs to be repaired, too. So when I'm governor, we are going to enforce enforce our environmental laws. The DNR is going to be an evidence-based, science-based agency that is independently run, free from political interference. And we're going to put people on the DNR board who actually care about managing natural resources, whether it's making sure that you can eat the deer that you kill because it doesn't have CWD, or making sure that we're not selling off our public lands so uh, people have no place to hunt and fish. Can you name something that you think Governor Walker has done well while in office? Sure. Um, I think I think it's good that um, the the governor has started to use the trauma informed care lens when you know particularly the Department of Children and Families. I think that's really important um, evidence based approach. Uh, but we should be doing a lot more uh, on that. I mean, I think in the juvenile justice context alone, we see how uh, you know that anything having to do with restorative justice or um, even the the idea that juvenile justice, the purpose is really to help these young kids get back into a path where they can return to society and um, get an education, et cetera. And that's just kind of been left by the wayside. Um, you, you may not have more to add. Well, I always do, Jesse. Of course you have more to add. You what cannot I, shut me up. <laughs> I wanted to give you the chance to, I, you know, I asked you t- top five policies you would undo, and then I was going to ask, you know, top five that you would add. You, you talked about some things that you would add, but are, are there other things that you um, would, would like to mention on, on that note? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I do think student debt reform, as I mentioned, you know, we've got $24 billion uh, that borrowers in this state owe. And a lot of folks are paying really high interest rates. Like, you can refinance a car. You can refinance a home mortgage. Like, you can even refinance a credit card. <laughs> you know, you just call the company. You should absolutely be able to refinance student debt, and it should be at the lowest available rate. And then I think um, universal paid family leave, you know, we should follow the lead that other states like Washington and New York have done that um, have basically universal coverage. It uh, works like an insurance program. And it's not just for new parents or adoptive parents. It's also, for instance, if 
you're, you have a parent who gets sick or a spouse who is dying or you ha- get sick, that you would be able to take 12 weeks of paid leave and not worry like, oh, I'm going to lose my apartment um, because of it. care about this state deeply and these issues are going to be with me for a long time. Us talking about a five-year plan is not helping me. It may be fine for you, but it's not helping me. Now, whether they're from the community, I don't care. Whether they're from space, I don't care. As long as they can provide the best visual experience for Madison. Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. These are Cap Times Talks, smart conversations about big topics in Madison. Look for Cap Times Talks on iTunes or anywhere else you find podcasts. Are you ready for the fun part? Oh, I thought that was the fun part. (laughs) Yes, I'm ready for the fun part. Okay, good. Now we do a lightning round. I hope this is an easy one to start with. Favorite Wisconsin beer? Oh, my God, Jesse, You might have just uh, ruined my campaign. (laughs) So here's the thing. Um, there, there is a raspberry beer that Nuglaris makes that my sister got for me that I actually, I do like, but I am not a big fan of beer. Ah. I'm sorry. I know, <laughs> but I love old fashions. Well, <laughs> so, gotta be something, right? Yes. Okay. Well, then in that case, how do you order your old fashioned? Uh, I actually sometimes like it with ginger beer, but normally I just take a Corbell brandy old fashioned, um, sometimes sweet and, uh, Sometimes not. Okay. We'll allow that. I think yeah. that's okay. <laughs> um, favorite Wisconsin lake? Favorite Wisconsin lake? Well, uh, Lake Superior, I love. Um, I would say, aside from the Great Lakes, probably Swan Lake, which is a small lake. Great for water skiing, great for swimming. It's deep, so it's really clean. And um, it's good ice fishing. It's, it's just great year-round. Um. Wisconsin bucket list. Is there something sort of stereotypically Wisconsin that you've never done that you would like to? Oh, what a great question. Um, well, I, I have my motorcycle license. Wow. Uh, but I don't own a motorcycle. And I would love to own a Harley. <laughs> but it's just like, I don't know. I've got raising four kids. I'm running for governor. I don't know when I would have time to ride it. So I mean, I guess I could ride it in campaign ads. That seems to be a thing. People do that. People do that. Um, but uh, that that's probably on my bucket list for like more retirement years. Okay. That's, that's pretty good. Um, pet peeve. Pet peeve. Um, misplaced apostrophes. <laughs> I'm with you on that. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst. It's like... Uh, when I see signs, I just want to, like, pull out a little pen and just be like, I'm just going to take care of this for you. You don't need an apostrophe there. It's just plural. Just add an S. Yeah. That's a, that's and, I mean, we all make mistakes. Like, of course. You know, go, if you're going to go on my Facebook, you'll see I've, I've made typos before. <laughs> yeah. You may not have time for anything like this. Are you binging anything on Netflix or Hulu or, or anything like that right now? Are you a streaming person? I am a streaming person, and I do love to binge watch certain things. Um, I haven't watched really any good content in about six months. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you've been um, doing during that time. I (laughs) I have to say, I I recently did watch a movie, though, um, with my husband. I fell asleep for part of it, but I watched most of it. Um, I watched Lady Bird. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, and it was really really good. It's like one of those movies that's – 
just like gives you that like painful nostalgia feeling of like, oh gosh, I remember how hard adolescence was. I don't want to go back. <laughs> no, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> no, it, I mean, yeah. it, it, was, it was a yeah good movie. That sounds like it. Um, best concert you've attended? Oh my gosh, so many great ones. Well, I just went to see Robbie Folks um, in Kiki's Basement. That is such is, a great venue. It's such a great venue. And Robbie, I, my husband and I have seen Robbie there, I don't know, half a dozen times. Uh, and he actually once <laughs> at the high noon, like wrote a little song about me, which was maybe like the highlight of my political career wow. ever, even if I become governor, <laughs> it's like the coolest thing. Um, yeah. Um, what, what was it? How did it go? It, I mean, you don't have to sing it. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually I do have a CD of it somewhere. I mean, he, it was when I was running for assembly and it was after, you know, I had done a whole long day of doors and, um, and I went up to him, you know, at halftime because he always gets a, you know, gets a drink or whatever. And was we were just chatting. And I said, yeah, I'm running for assembly and blah, blah, blah. And so he just riff, made a little riff song when he went back up on stage. He's like, yeah, there's a woman here. She's she's running for state house. And just made up a little song. It was great. That is pretty he, cool. Uh, yeah, he did. I just remember he said, you should all vote for Kelda because she's pro-choice and she's hot. That was like the culminating line of it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well. And you're not going with that as your, your slogan this time? Uh, <laughs> I'm still pro-choice. <laughs> That's, you know, I don't think we need to uh, focus too much on women's appearances <laughs> and politics. Got enough of that without bringing that's, it up. That's yeah. right. Um, but that was a good one. Um, I love the National. So I've seen the National a bunch of times. Bon Iver. I'm, I'm waiting yeah. to see Hamilton. I'm really excited. I haven't yeah. seen it yet, which is ridiculous. I haven't either, but yeah, I need to. Um, what, do you remember what your first concert was? First in my life? Yeah. I do. Uh, it was Madonna's Blonde Ambition World Tour in Philadelphia, and uh, it was totally amazing. We somehow got tickets. I think it was like my stepdad's, maybe like ex-girlfriend from college or something who had worked for Madonna and was able to get us tickets and... Um, so we were really up close, and that was pretty amazing. <laughs> so much cooler first concert than most people could probably. What's your first concert? Uh, Kenny Chesney. Okay, that's it's good. It's fine. I, so yeah. like two days after I saw him, I I wish that I could just reverse the order because two days after I saw Kenny Chesney, I saw Cher, and so that oh. would be a much better first concert in my <laughs> book. But I have to be truthful. <laughs> so well. She was not, but yeah, um, it was like her. First of three farewell tours. <laughs> Thanks for not burning facts, Jesse. <laughs> uh, do you have any pets? Not anymore. I had a wonderful black lab growing up named Nissa, which means friendly little elf in Norwegian. And oh. then um, as an adult, I rescued a really, really cute little dog named Franklin. Um, but after he died, um, shortly thereafter, I met my husband, and he is very, very allergic to dogs, and I'm allergic to cats, and so it's what are you gonna do yeah (laughs) um political role model or Mm. models yeah yeah i mean a lot um peg loungeslager obviously she's been on my mind a lot recently kathleen falk you know the first woman in wisconsin to mount a serious campaign for governor and i actually volunteered on that campaign when i was in law school um I love Ruth Bader Ginsburg, just, you know, as an attorney and um, 
someone who really cares about civil liberties and civil rights. I think she's just an incredible uh, role model. And she is also seems like a really fun human being. And, um, you know, I, I like the fact that she's able, was able to have this long friendship with Justice Scalia, even though they were total opposites. Um, and, you know, she just seems to bring, you know, humor and kind kindness, as well as just a fierce intellect to everything that she does. Um, best advice your parents or uh, another loved one, someone you looked up to, gave to you when you were growing up? Well, I've had a lot of good advice. I think probably the best advice is don't be afraid to take a risk. <laughs> and um, and it's important, especially like in the Midwest. I think, you know, we are still, uh, we still have a, there's a little stigma to failure. And um you know, and that makes it very hard to innovate and um, and make progress if you're too afraid to actually do anything, because the this idea that failure is looming over you and it will wreck your life. You know, I think we have to be resilient and help each other be resilient. And um, you know, I feel really lucky that uh, that I've been able to take risks and fall flat on my face and get back up and um, you know keep going. And you know. And I'm also very, very lucky. You know, I have a lot of opportunities that a lot of other people haven't had. And so I feel that, you know, I feel some sense of obligation to really do everything I can to make it possible for other people to be able to have the same kind of failures that I've had and and pick themselves up and go on. Good. Okay, your last lightning round question will hopefully go better than your first one. Uh Uh-oh. Favorite Wisconsin cheese? Favorite Wisconsin cheese. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, so many. Um, (laughs) Anything that Landmark Creamery makes, uh, if you put it in your mouth, it's just basically you can go to heaven right there. It's the best. Um, I love Mo Bay, Car Valley. Uh, You know, it's the layer of ash in the middle. Yeah. So good. Um, Yeah. And fresh cheese curds, Forgotten Valley cheese curds from the Dane County Farmer's Market. When they're warm, they haven't been chilled yet. It's so good. So good. As long as they still squeak. Yeah, I feel like, you know, the fact that I'm not a big fan of beer, I really make up for it on the dairy side (laughs) (laughs) because I love, you know, cheese and yogurt and ice cream and also frozen yogurt and also custard. Uh, I don't want to start any rumors out there. (laughs) (laughs) You can can still hold on to your Wisconsin card. Yes, I think think so. And, you know, and I root for the Packers. So that's all that that matters at the end of the day. (laughs) Right. That's all I've got. Is there anything you want to leave people with? Well, uh, I think I'll get kicked by my campaign manager if I don't say the website, which is keldaforgovernor.com. Um, Kelda like Zelda with a K, forgovernor.com. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Jesse. And uh, I hope everyone who's listening, I hope I can earn your votes on August 14th and again on November 6th. I like my music soft and sweet, just like the girls I like to meet. And since my heart still likes to be, I'm coming home. Well, before we wrap up this week, I'm going to bring in Cap Times tech reporter and podcast producer Eric Lawrenson to run down some of the headlines from the week. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Welcome back, Eric. Uh, thank you very much for having me. So kind of a bit of a slow week, maybe just because of yeah, Memorial a Day bit. weekend yeah. coming up. Yeah, not a 
ton going on. One of the things that did happen is the Secretary of the Department of Corrections, John Litcher, announced that he'll be retiring after about two years on the job. Um, He's going to be replaced by his Deputy Secretary, Kathy Jess. I don't think it was entirely unexpected. He'd headed up the agency years ago under Tommy Thompson and Scott McCallum. He was transitioning really out of state service, um, but the Department of Corrections has had a lot of struggles over the last several years. So he was brought in in the hopes of uh, making some changes, restoring the public's confidence. Most notably, the juvenile corrections system, the the youth prison Lincoln Hills, uh, has been in, in the news for years for allegations of inmate abuse and bad working conditions for staff. The legislature really very recently agreed on a bill that would close Lincoln Hills in a few years and transition the juvenile system to a regional model with facilities throughout the state. So that'll be something that the new secretary will oversee going forward. Another headline this week had to do with a pretty big issue in the election season this year, which is Foxconn and the impending construction of a electronics manufacturing campus. There was a report that Foxconn was not going to be making that $10 billion investment that had previously been talking about in terms of developing this manufacturing campus. Um, Tell me a little bit about the report. And eventually Foxconn ended up saying that's not entirely the case, right? Yeah, exactly. So so Foxconn um, is a Taiwanese company. So this was a report that came from a, a business publication based in Asia. And uh, the, the Nikkei Asian Review said they, they, this report was based on anonymous sources. They, what they said was that it sounded like Foxconn was going to cut back on its initial investment. So they didn't necessarily say they weren't going to eventually spend the $10 billion, but they did say they weren't going to spend what was initially expected. They said that they were going to change the scope of what's being manufactured there instead of making these large LCD panels for TV screens in this uh, 10.5 generation factory. It was going to be uh, like an earlier generation factory that makes uh, smaller screens for phones and tablets and and things like that. Foxconn, as, as soon as people started contacting Foxconn from Wisconsin, they said this report is completely inaccurate. It's not based on fact. Um, they said they're 100% committed to the investment that they've guaranteed through this contract. They're committed to fulfilling that contract. Basically refuted the entire report, and that report was changed a little bit. So by by their account, things are on track to uh, move forward here in Wisconsin. But certainly, you know, it, it gave Democrats a chance to start pointing fingers and poking holes and saying, oh, maybe it's maybe it's not coming through the way that Republicans promised it would. Right. Uh, Foxconn being a major economic development talking point for the, the Republicans this year. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is something that Democrats have staked their, their campaigns on being pretty much against. And uh, Republicans have responded to that certainly yesterday by Governor Walker saying, look, Democrats were so eager to say that something's going wrong, that they're just saying bad things about this thing that's going to come here and create all these jobs. Let's talk about something that's happening at the federal level. So there is a bill heading to President Donald Trump's desk um, regarding something called Right to Try. And this is a bill that um, was authored by Senator Ron Johnson. What exactly is this bill? So this bill, this has been a cause for for Senator Johnson for years. Um, There's a, a family in Wisconsin that he's been working with on it. What the bill does is say if you are terminally ill and you're running out of options, um, you can try an experimental treatment that has not been approved by the FDA. Naturally, there are people in the scientific and medical communities who have some qualms with that. 
Um, but, you know, it, it has been passing more states than not. Wisconsin actually passed a version of this recently. Uh, Governor Walker signed it into law. But every time Ron Johnson's tried to get it through at the federal level, something stopped it. Someone stopped it. Um, he got it through this week, and President Trump is absolutely expected to sign it. He's been a, a huge supporter of it. He talked about it in his State of the Union address. This is something that, I mean, it's it's a it's an opportunity, certainly, for Republicans to say, we know you're frustrated that Washington isn't getting something done, but look, here's something that our very own senator here accomplished. And And before we wrap up, there's a story that's really just emerging now that people are going to be talking about. Don't know how it's going to play into politics yet, which is certainly our focus here, but huge Wisconsin story and huge national story to talk about. The Milwaukee Bucks player Sterling Brown was uh, tased by Milwaukee police. The video of this was released this week to a huge uproar. This is making waves really throughout the country. It's going to reignite conversations about race relations and police community relations. Um, the mayor of Milwaukee, Tom Barrett, has said this is disturbing. It offends him. Um, you know, the, the officers involved are being disciplined. And so far, we're hearing some Milwaukee state lawmakers weigh in on this, certainly um, very critical of the police actions, and and also talking about the fact that you know, this this is being highlighted because it's uh, a Milwaukee Bucks player, but this is certainly an issue for people who aren't famous and don't have that platform, too. I expect we'll hear more about this uh, on the campaign trail as folks try to, to talk about, you know, how, how do we improve trust in communities and, and how do we improve relations like this? Yeah, I'm curious what some of those reactions are going to be like. It's been a story that's been all over my social media feeds. I yeah, think I, I think that. this really crosses the the genres. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me in to chat a little bit about the news of the week. Thanks for joining me, Eric. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Wedge Issues. Our theme music is Oh, Wisconsin by Loxley. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And if you like it, leave us a rating or a review. Please reach out if you have any thoughts, suggestions for future episodes or any feedback on the ones that you've heard so far. I'm on Twitter at Jessie Opie, J-E-S-S-I-E-O-P-I-E, or you can email me at J-O-P-O-I-E-N at Madison.com. We'll be coming out with new episodes each week, so join us next week when I sit down and talk with Madison Mayor Paul Soglin. We'll see you then.